Testing. 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 I am the very model of a modern major general. That's what, how I test. Did you know that? That's one of my favorite things to do when HMS I test. I, well, I That's Pirates of Penzance. That's the one. Yeah, I often sing the Pirates of Penzance when I am. Different songs, but I mm. often sing that when I'm testing. To dream the impossible dream. That's not. What is, what is that from? That's Man of La Mancha. Um, it's like a three-hour musical. I go through the whole thing every time I warm up my voice. Your family is so lucky. I don't know how. How do they get so much blessing in such a wonderful package like Josh McDonald? I don't, I I don't up, understand it. I wake them up every morning and ask them that. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know how blessed you are that I'm your father? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. My wife loves that. She thinks that's great. <laughs> so um, I just saw... Um, stand-up by seth myers where he talks about how when he lets his wife sleep in he'll wake her up and tell her he's letting her sleep in because <laughs> he stand he can't stand to go like an hour without being thanked by someone <laughs> like yeah that's almost like bonehead guy with young kids thing to do oh mm-hmm. that's awesome mm-hmm. so how are you dan i think i'm pretty good how's josh grand grand and groovy man sitting here in my basement just digging the the quiet vibes well my kids when you got three kids the quiet vibes are the way to go it's my favorite music nothing that's my work mix (laughs) (laughs) so i want to ask you a question dan yeah um have you ever gotten lost like did you get lost as a kid um all the time me too hey all the time Oh, I feel like I feel like I would just like be in the grocery store and I would I would want something and kind of know the aisle that it's in and I would take off for it. And then my mom would just like let me go, (laughs) like go her own way, doing her own thing. And then I I would get lost because I would have no idea where my mom was. Yeah, I got to say, like, no, really, while I was growing up, like no, like family occasion or trip was really complete without Josh getting lost once. Mm. Yeah. Um, like amusement parks, the mall. Oh, I, um, I got lost hunting one time. And I, I, got, I, I, I got so lost that I had to wander my way out to a highway and then hitchhike back to where my dad was. And I was like miles away. How old were you? Uh, yeah. Like I, cra- like I was, there was one time I got so lost during hunting season that I, I, I wandered my way out to Highway T and a cop passed me by, and I tried to hitchhike with a cop and a loaded gun at the same time. And with a cop, this is a crazy story. And what the cop said was, hey, I'm going into Antigo. When I come back, if you're still walking, I'll pick you up. That's what the cop said to me. And you were like 11, 12? Oh, no, I think I was 17 at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so then what ended up happening was some, some other hunter, you know, picked me up and just made me unload my gun. And then he drove me into the woods back to where my hunting stand was. And my dad was just like, what on earth is anyway, I got so lost. I love that. St- I was going to share a story, but now I don't, I'm timid because that's an exciting, that my well, I, I, that, that's, that's probably my most exciting lost story. Yes. Hitchhiking with a loaded gun and a cop is kind of anyway. And a cop who said. If you're still here, like if, if you're you still here, abducted when I get back, um, I guess he figured you could defend yourself. <laughs> so, uh. so my my story, I'll share it anyway because you know I gotta listen to myself talk. Um, my brother and I wandered off. I was ten, and he was eight, and we wandered off, and and we we're in the city and walked away from my parents. 
Now, it's not. It's a very pedestrian story, other than the fact that we were in Tijuana. Oh. <laughs> Tijuana, Mexico. TJ, in wow. 80s. Yeah, like you would... We would one of the safest places in, in the world. No, it's not. <laughs> you just walk up to any stranger, you know, and say in English, we're lost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, luckily, my, my parents found us shortly after that. Um, otherwise, I don't, I don't know that anybody would have heard, heard from us again. But my dad about had a heart attack, and I can still remember him laying out what happens to people who get lost in Tijuana in so many details. <laughs> It was it was interesting. So let's talk about Jesus getting lost. Yeah, can you believe it? Jesus getting lost. I mean, it's one of the more confusing stories in uh, in the in the early part of the Gospels. And uh, I'll I'll read it, and then we'll then we'll dork it up from there. Yeah, let's dive in. All right, man. Um. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who had heard him were amazed at the understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Luke 2, 41 through 52. What a story. Helpful to have my, my daughter's footsteps running over my head while I'm reading. The, the pitter-patter of little feet. Doesn't that just warm your heart? Jesus wandering off. <laughs> <laughs> so so there goes Jesus, and, and he's lost. And, and what's what's happening? What's going on? In, okay, in city. Yeah. yeah, so let's, let's just kind of set the scene. And so I think it's in, the first thing we need to pay attention to is that, you know, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's not from Jerusalem. So he's in, he's in the big city. And so, um, you know, our context right now is Wisconsin. And so this is like, you know, going to Milwaukee. This is the big city. This is where everyone is. It's the hub of everything. Um, and it's during the Feast of Passover. And so the, 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 the Feast of Passover was one of three pilgrimage feasts and arguably it was the biggest of all pilgrimage feasts and on a normal day jerusalem uh was anywhere from like 50 to eighty thousand people in terms of population but during passover week and this would have been a seven-day festival uh the city tri- at least tripled if not quadrupled in size and so you get you would get uh somewhere around 150,000 um jews all making pilgrimage to Jerusalem in order to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. And so the, the population, and again, we, we can only estimate, but the population of Jerusalem during Passover in the first century would have been somewhere between 200 to 250,000 people. All, and when you think of city, don't think of something like, again, Milwaukee, which is just far too big. I mean, th- think of 200,000 people fit into an area the size of, you know, downtown Appleton, Wisconsin. 
like people on top of people all trying to stay with relatives. It would have been sheer chaos. And if the our street- listeners haven't heard of Appleton, there's a reason. It's not very big. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right it's yeah. exactly right yeah. yeah and if and so think of a town that you know of that other people haven't heard of and then jam like four times the population into that town for a week correct, correct. so like people would have been everywhere streets would have been packed um you know cattle would have been everywhere sheep would have been everywhere um there's food and there's smells and there's noise and there's music it's the it's the best type of chaos you could possibly think of and among, among the families that are going there are kids. And so there would have been thousands of young kids running around, babbling about, and, you know, say what you want about parenting strategies uh, in the first century. But, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph, I'm not guessing, were like helicopter parents. We're trying to keep the Messiah baby safe all the time. And so they weren't, they weren't really following Jesus around, I don't think. You know, if he was, you know, with an aunt or an uncle, chances are they trusted that aunt or uncle and didn't really pay attention. And so, like, kids were far more free to run around and do what they please. Um, You know, everyone is with extended family, and everyone just assumes someone must have an eye on baby Jesus or teenager Jesus at this point in time. Yeah, tween Jesus. Yeah, you're right, tween Jesus. Yeah. Um, It's my favorite kind of Jesus is tween Jesus. Tween Jesus. (laughs) Not enough pictures of that guy. No, 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 with acne and everything. Yeah. Um, do tweens get acne? I don't even know. I don't know. what. At what age does one? I I, I still have acne. I so. had acne as a, as a tween pretty hardcore. So I also, I think, had a mustache. So <laughs> that probably tied in with things. Uh, and so like that's, so when we, when we think of the, the scene of how on earth Jesus gets lost, you, I mean, you want to just think of a city during the biggest, coolest music festival you could possibly imagine. Sure. And then just think of the chaos that, it, it, that happens because there are just people everywhere. That's Jerusalem during the Passover. Right. And that's, that's one of the explanations for how Jesus would have gotten lost is that Mary and Joseph just would have assumed that a family member had eyes on him and that if they couldn't see him, it wasn't a big deal. Someone else was taking care of it. And clearly... Jesus slipped through the cracks. Right, right. And so a male child would travel with his mother until he was oh, yeah. a certain age? So, or- yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a, a really great detail. And so we know that Jesus is uh, about age 12, um, which I don't think is a symbolic number. I think that's actually just how old he was. Mm-hmm. And it's so like we all know that even Jews today have a, a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah uh, at age 13. And that's when a, uh, a Jewish boy traditionally become it's like the rite of passage for him to step into full adult manhood and so under the age of 13 a a child would have traveled with their their mother because they they need their mother uh, but over age 13 a male child tra- probably would have traveled more with his father mm-hmm. and so jesus is right on that cusp like he's 12 maybe 13 and Mary might be thinking, oh, yeah, you know, he's almost 13 or he is 13. He's going to be with Joseph. And Joseph is probably thinking to himself, oh, yeah, yeah, he's not quite 13 yet. He's going to be with his mom. And so, you know, there never happened with my kids. I, I don't know. You know, well, I mean, here, here, here's the most <laughs> important. Here's the most important couple with the most important child that has ever existed. And they both are just kind of like, oh, yeah, 
He's with mom. Right. He's with dad. He's he's got to be someplace. We're not gonna we're not gonna worry about it too much. I thought he was with you, Joe. Look, Mayor. <laughs> I thought he was with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just, just just like like um, um, imagine the scene when they realize, oh, Jesus isn't with us. Like, how far out of town are they? Um, like, it's not like they can just turn the car around and be back in Jerusalem in forty minutes. Like, they have to press pause on everything. And like now they're like salmon heading upstream. Like everyone's leaving Jerusalem sure. and they're, they're trying to get into Jerusalem. Right. Against like, traffic. Like, yeah, yeah. They're bobbing and weaving. And like, it's, this is not an easy scenario for them. And then even when they get to Jerusalem, it's not as if it's empty. Like the temple was still busy. The mm-hmm. city is still busy and they have to find tween Jesus somehow and all, all of the, the craziness. And say, and say, Hey, have you seen a little Jewish boy? Well, <laughs> Yeah. You know, but he has brown eyes. He has brown eyes. <laughs> exactly, and you can't really jump in there and say he's the promised Messiah. You'll recognize him right away. Like they there's, did, a, they did. there's a star following him around. Just wait, just wait. It's gonna you'll, you'll see it. Like like Olaf's little cloud on Frozen. Yeah, just, just follows him his whole life. Um, and so like the and the interesting detail here that was that the whole family went for Passover, and you know mm-hmm. there was the required feasts for being Jewish, a part mm-hmm. of your o- obedience, um, but it was only required of the men of the family. So then the whole family goes, and that shows some of the devotion in the, in the house of Joseph, basically, Mary and Joseph, mm-hmm. and how how involved they were, uh, and Jesus as a young man, too. The um, And also the fact that they stayed for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, you only had to go pretty much for the two first two days or so to fulfill the obligation, but they would stay for the whole thing. It meant, you know, it, it was in their, in their DNA. Yeah. Um, well, on top of that, it's a gigantic, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a party like Passover is yeah. a festive time. Sure. Uh, and so like, I mean, this is a, a sidetrack, but Josephus tells some hilarious stories about Jews from Alexandria taking a boat uh, to, to Israel to get off and then make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem and on the boat, they're passing a bunch of Gentiles. And again, so for a, a Jew living in Alexandria, it's not as if you can just pick up and go to Jerusalem whenever you want to, this is kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. And so their boat is loaded with food and wine and they're having a time of it. And so Josephus tells this story about this, this uh, boat full of Jewish men with their caskets of wine, mooning all of the Gentile sailors as they pass them by but like this is like like this is a festive time mm-hmm. and like you want like you want to be in the city so it's not just about obligation like you want to be in the city for this like there's food there's meat oftentimes a like a first century jewish peasant isn't, isn't going to eat a lot of meat so this is one of the few times a year they get meat like it's just sure. it's fun to be around and so they're they are all there yeah yeah and it let let it let the record show that Dan is is one of the only people who's ever started the sentence a sentence with Josephus tells the funniest story. <laughs> <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> this, this is <laughs> most of the time walking around the world, you don't hear. You know, Josephus said the funniest thing the other day. I'm telling, yeah. So let, let's uh, let's let's focus, Josh, a little bit on uh, as. That was a hard transition. I should have done that better. I'm, uh, I mean, but let, let, let's focus a little bit on how Mary and Joseph respond to 
their son, Jesus, once they finally find him. Right. right. Like in your mind, if you find, if you find one of your kids who's been lost or intentionally got lost, like I, what's your response, Josh? Well, it's not um, podcast friendly. Um, <laughs> and well, I, I will say, I think the, the language here obviously has been translated a few times. Um, son, why would you have treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Yeah. And I, mine would have started with something like, what is your problem? Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, kind of downhill from there, I think. <laughs> if, especially for three days, um, you know. Yeah, can you even imagine? Like, you no. can't find your child for three days. Yeah. Like, if I can't find my daughter for 15 seconds, I'm already like beginning to run around the house trying to find, you know, absolutely. And it's not that my daughter's not important, but she's not the Messiah. Like, my (laughs) goodness, you've lost him for three days. Like, (laughs) exactly, exactly. And then they use what Mary uses the word child, and Mm -hmm. that's the Greek word technon, which Dan and I have started calling. You call Meredith, I call my kids technon Technon. now. Yep. Uh, Child Technon, hey Technon, what up Technon? Um, um, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but translated that to Greek term that can mean uh, child in a affectionate way, my little one, my my Technon, my little one. Um, But it can also mean like, child, what is your issue? Like, it's like accusation or it's like, I'm upset with you. Mm -hmm. So Technon, you know, or like Technon. Um, I, my guess is that Mary addressed Jesus with a hybrid of both, mm-hmm. um, and that it meant both things. Now, the scholarship angle on that is that she addressed him in Aramaic, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. Greek, but, yeah. uh, we can, we can hope that Luke and the Holy Spirit were, were staying original to the original conversation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she addresses him like that, you know, um. And we've been searching for you in great distress. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that the, the way Luke portrays this, Jesus isn't disobedient. Like, never once did his parents say, you have to stay by my side. Right. Never once did his parents say, you can't go into the temple. Right. And so we, we see an, an image of Jesus here who is incredibly identified with his father's house or the temple. And so he wants to spend his time there. But the moment his parents find him, you see a completely obedient child. And so this is not a, like, in, if, I, I remember the first time I, I read this story, maybe the second time I read this story as a teenager thinking, and is this, is this Jesus being disobedient? And clearly it's not. Luke is trying to stay away from that. Yeah. This is a child who loves and respects his mother and his parents, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time also has a, a higher loyalty to his heavenly father. And I, I think, I'm amazed, Josh, at a, at the identity of Jesus already at age 12, who is so grounded in himself that he can just look at his mom and say like, didn't you know I was in my father's house? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I tried to, I, tr- I tried to pull that line one time. I was at youth group. I said like a 16 year old newly able to drive. And uh, I was supposed to be home by nine because that's when youth group ended. And I think I was home by like nine 30 because my, my, my small group was having a great conversation and my mom was not happy that I was late. And I actually said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And I was, <laughs> I was, I was 
A, not grounded in myself at all, but also I got grounded immediately. You were like, grounded. So you were I grounded. I got grounded. Yeah, you got grounded. I did not have the identity that could, that could pull off a comment like that. My mom was <laughs> not, in, not impressed. Um, but he, here's, here's a, a tween Jesus who are, already is firmly rooted in his identity with the Father. And I, I just think that's, that's amazing to me. Well, and I, I think of you put this in context of Luke. The beginning of Luke, God talking to Mary, you will have a son. Here is your son. Mm-hmm. Luke, Jesus at 12 saying, I am with my father. Mm-hmm. Jesus in the next, on the next page, starting his vocation, baptized, when the voice awesome. from heaven says, this is my son. That's so good, Josh. You know, yeah. Like you just connected dots for me that I had never connected before. La, 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 la. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Well, and that's and that's the thing, and, and I think you know part of the issue there, um, being you know, and there's you know, Luke is playing around with the timing and everything else to say three days, three days lost, three days lost on the road to Emmaus is the parallel story, and then Luke draws it even tighter when Jesus says, "Did you not know it was necessary for me to be in my Father's house?" And he says to the two on the path, "Did you not know it was necessary for these things to happen?" Um, creating this thing, which is called a, a Leitzwurzel. Leitzwurzel? Whoa. Leitzwurzel, which is a uh, connection with a thematic uh, phrasing. Fancy pants, Josh. I love it. That is an entirely different episode. And, uh, if I, I feel like that's a mic know. drop moment. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's the issue. And, and to me, like, you know, it drives home the fact that... Um, that Jesus continues to throw me off. Mm. Like when I think he's with my caravan, mm-hmm. he's wandered off somewhere else. And when I find him, he says, well, yeah, <laughs> this is where I was going to be, you know? Yeah. Um, and when you get, when you get too comfortable and you say, Jesus, you broke, you broke the plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so here, here's a, a picture of Jesus who has, no desire to meet our expectations of him because he knows that our expectations of him aren't always the healthiest expectations or the best expectations. And we have many agendas that we bring to the table when we want Jesus to meet our expectations and Jesus knows what's best for us. And not only, and not only that, Josh, he also knows who he is and he's so grounded in his own identity. He doesn't feel the need to meet our expectations. He doesn't have to be a people pleaser when he knows that he has the good pleasure of his father and so we see a, a Jesus, even at age 12, who is willing to defy our expectations for the sake of being able to stay true to himself, but then also for the sake of being able to stay true to his father. And so the, the, the same Jesus that broke the expectations of his mother, for instance, is also the very same Jesus that, Jesus that broke the expectations of his disciples and went to the cross. And as we think about the Jesus that we worship today, um, we have to be willing to accept the fact that Jesus sometimes is going to break our expectations, not because he doesn't love us, but because precisely the opposite is true. He loves us and cares for us, which requires him to sometimes tear down bad expectations so that he can build up true expectations built on his true identity. He is the son uh, of the father. Uh, and that's that's who he has come to please. And when he does that, 
Uh, and when we see him as that, we find the one who we've been truly looking for. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.